Welcome to Paid Media Coffee. I'm Kelly Mancuso, your host. And today we are starting a two-part episode on the buyer journey. We're still going to be focusing on that overarching theme of the digital future of traditional media buying, but we have a lot of content to cover in terms of uh, buyer journey trends and the impact So we are going to be breaking it into two. And for these conversations, I am joined by three of my colleagues. We have Brian Easter, the co-founder of Nebo. Thanks for joining us and coming back. Thank you, Kelly. We also have Haley Stauffer. She's a paid media manager here at Nebo. And also one of the co-founders of the podcast. Good point. Yes. I've been (laughs) on the intro episode, but I'm really excited to be on actually one of the main episodes of the episode two. Thank you. Welcome back. And we also have Marissa Remmers. She is the Director of Strategy and Insights at Nebo. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Kelly. Happy to be here. Kelly, um, this is paid media coffee, right? Yes, it is. Marissa brought a LaCroix. Is that allowed? Yes, it's allowed. We don't discriminate on beverages here. (laughs) Next time I will have a coffee at paid media coffee. I just had three this morning. And you would have heard the caffeine in my voice. <laughs> well, we appreciate you uh, toning it down <laughs> for the podcast. <laughs> okay, so let's talk buyer journey or customer journey, consumer journey, whatever you want to call it. We've all seen that diagram um, that's probably in every single marketing pitch ever that has awareness at the top, you know, consideration, decision, conversion, or post-purchase at the bottom. But we all know that that's not an accurate representation of the buyer journey anymore. And I think this is a really cool group to be discussing this with because we all have uh, different years of tenure in the industry and we all have different um, areas of expertise. So I would love to hear from you as marketers in the industry, what shifts in this concept of buyer journey have you experienced personally? I'll jump in. I think it's funny to me because you were talking about the tried and true buyer journey stages that you see in every marketing pitch deck. And it actually gave me flashbacks to being in business school and looking at a textbook. And it's this very linear path. And this is the type of message you deliver in awareness. And this is what you say in consideration. It was Uh very straightforward and obvious. Um, And I think the biggest shift in what you've seen recently is there's all of these new buyer journey models coming out. There's one cycle. There's two cycles. It's very ambiguous. And everyone's really trying to wrap their head around something that was once straightforward Mm -hmm. and that has now become much more amorphous and harder to pin down because of the insertion of digital media Mm -hmm. into that process. So it's much less brands and marketers speaking at um, people in the world and telling them their key messages. And it's become much more of a dialogue where we might learn something about the customer or the person that's interested in the product and adjust what we're saying and fine tune what we're saying based on that need. And so there's a lot of kind of back and forth exchange of information and people kind of come in and out of different phases. And Mm -hmm. it's, um, it's much more, uh, kind of intriguing and challenging, honestly, than it used to be. Marissa, since you are, you know, head of the intelligence team and strategy and insights, do you think your view of it is unique though? Do you think that you have sort of an elevated view compared to most marketers? And I'm not saying that, saying you're better, but you get to see a lot more data and a lot more research versus 
the average person doing paid media or the average person doing, you know, whatever discipline, a media buyer or whatnot? Do you think your perspective may be influenced by the being a kid in the candy store, so to speak? I, I'm sure my perspective is influenced by being a kid in the candy store because, you know, we, we see the struggles that our clients have trying to measure performance mm-hmm. and trying to really track and pin down, like, well, this is what happened offline when people came into the store and then also tie that in with what people were doing online and on social and, mm-hmm. and how does that all come together into a journey and a, and a path to purchase, um, improving that return on marketing dollars. Yeah, great point, Marissa. Haley, what do you think? I definitely agree with Marissa. I think I have a very unique perspective as well, being on the paid media side, where we do kind of have a different look at the buyer's journey in terms of it's not just one path through, um, but also speaking from a consumer that spends a lot of time on digital and actually spends a lot of time buying things through digital, I think um, it's interesting how it's much more consumer-centric than it was what we saw 10 years ago. I just read a stat recently that said, Something along the lines of 67% of the buyer's journey is done online now, Mm -hmm. which means that it's not just from a paid media standpoint such a big deal, but it's important for people to be looking at research. So through SEO or looking at reviews, people reviewing um, video tutorials. I know that I look a lot for makeup online Mm -hmm. and I look at what people are doing through video tutorials. So it's very interesting to think of it from both a marketing perspective perspective. from paid, but also from like an SEO and just a brand standpoint as well. Yeah, I agree with all of you. I think that there is a tendency to, you know, want to simplify things. And obviously the buyer journey has changed. I think it's changed a lot more ways than we think it has, because I think we look at this in a homogenous way, but we also don't think about whether it's high consideration, low consideration sometimes. We don't think about whether it's a repeated buy. We don't mm-hmm. think about what, what channel we're most likely to buy. Uh, a buyer journey on Amazon may be very different for the same product somewhere else because I already have an Amazon login. And I'm mm-hmm. going to say, I don't need this right now, but I'm going to add it to cart because maybe later mm-hmm. I want to revisit it. Uh, and, you know, it, it can get very, very complicated. But if we step back, that funnel you were talking about, that standard awareness, consideration, interest, purchase, that does not make sense mm-hmm. um, and probably ever, but it definitely it hasn't made sense in a long time. Um, does anybody have a guess of when that funnel uh, model was created? 60s. 60s? That's a good guess. Yeah. Well, I will tell you guys something. That funnel was created, that model was created by a gentleman by the name of E. St. Elmo Lewis in 1898. Oh, gosh. Um, I was awful a lot. Yeah. <laughs> No, but if you think about that, we as marketers have viewed this customer journey in the same funnel for 120 years. And you think about 120 years ago, what that looked like is you had a toothache, you needed an elixir, you got on your horse and you rode to town, and you walked into Woolworths, and the pharmacist showed you some cocaine-based elixir versus probably some like other stuff that was equally bad, and you bought it and your tooth still hurt and all that stuff. But it is a different world. And you think about where you're basing our customer journey mentality mm-hmm. on something that existed or was created in 1898. It's sort of insane. Yeah. And in, in our last episode, we talked about, uh, you know, conversation and relationships with brands and people really expect that now. That is kind of a new concept. And, you know, back in the day, it was a lot more focused on a brand delivering a message and 
it was one way. And now, you know, we expect to have an ongoing relationship with the brands that we um, interact with and that we trust. And, you know, that goes across so many different channels beyond just, you know, social or um, even ads as well. So, you know, it's, it's a difference in expectation from consumers. Yeah, I think, you know, if you think back to like a brand, like just the pure mark of a brand, it's always been a symbol. And so mm-hmm. it's like in the past, you know, people would walk down the aisle and they would see the brand on the box and they would know what it stood for and they would know they could trust it and the quality and they would take it home. And I think now there's not that big, here's the one moment where you're introduced to the brand, that Procter & Gamble model of the first moment of truth. You see mm-hmm. the brand, you know the brand. The second moment of truth, you experience the brand. Mm-hmm. Now everything is experiential from that first engagement with the brand all the way through to using it and then mm-hmm. talking about it with your friends and your family and then deciding if you want to go back to that brand because you believe in them and what they stand for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's actually very interesting. There's there's some interesting uh, sort of thought experiments you could go down with this. I mean, part of me wonders whether you could launch a brand like Coke in today's world. Where, where the media is so segmented, where we experience the world in such a unique way. We don't have to watch all the same TV show, listen to all the same radio, experience the, you know, the store. You know, there's a Target, Target versus Walmart mentality, and they see very different things. So the, I really do think we're in this hyper-complex world where there is a buyer journey. There's not one buyer journey for a product or a brand, there's a million buyer journeys based on who is buying it and where they are in life. Yeah, I think um, another thing that's really interesting, because you're talking about, you know, the individual and is it where, what's the context that they're in? I think it's also, what's the category? Because I think what's talked about most when people talk about the, sh- the change that digital has had on the buyer mm-hmm. journey is that acceleration through those first few phases from the awareness to the consideration to that initial purchase, because Consumers have the control. People have the control. They can go out there and do the research and find the product and buy it online and have it at their doorstep, maybe same day if they used Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. um, whereas it used to take much more time. But I think the inverse is also true for certain categories that are um, you know, higher risk or more, more important expensive. in individuals and in pe- yeah. people's lives and more expensive. Now they're in this swirl of information and the process actually probably takes a lot longer. And I think probably a lot of our clients see that um, because people are going out and they find some information and they think they know what they want. And then they talk to someone and then they see something else. There's so much out there and there are so many touch points that it can be really confusing when it's something that you care about deeply. Sort of go off on a tangent on that. Um, I've seen somebody spend six months trying to buy a digital camera back in the day when people <laughs> bought digital cameras. And like going through every spec, so that overload of information actually worked inverse of accelerating. Mm-hmm. At the same time, when you think about how we buy homes, it's still very broken and awkward. You're about to make one of the biggest purchases you make in your life, and you mm-hmm. walk into a home and you visit it for 20, 30 minutes, and then maybe you go back and look at some things on Zillow, and you're expected to make a huge purchase and it's insane because we probably spend more time trying to research buying a mattress or a TV than we do a home. So- See, I would disagree. Like, I was one of those lurkers on Zillow. I think I sat there and looked at houses on Zillow and Trulia for, like, a year before we were even going and visiting. So by the time that I was ready to go visit, I'd already, like, done all the maps of the local stats. And I'm going exactly <laughs> here, and I'm going to find this. And so what would have once been, you know, I went into a few houses and mm-hmm. I picked something out, and it happened over a weekend, and then you— 
closed two weeks later for me took a year and a half. Well, see, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm worse than you because I've been told by people that I'm an awful uh, client in terms of buying a home because I want to look at everything. And there's some houses that I liked and I'd visit three or four times and my real estate agent was just like, oh, my God. But I do think that in the industry, though, it is weird to think that there's a lot of consumer behavior that makes mm-hmm. these high consideration purchases differently than we think. Yeah, Brian, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you guys talking about Zillow and Trulia, it takes us into our next topic, thinking about media consumption. You know, looking at the real estate example, we didn't have those um, websites at our disposal a while ago. So that has definitely impacted the buyer journey from a home buying perspective. Um, But in general, how do you think that media consumption has impacted the buyer journey? I definitely think that technology changing has had an impact on consumption habits and also kind of vice versa. Technology is changing to be a lot more user friendly. So we're seeing a lot more of older generations um, catch on more easily and kind of mimic what we were putting in a bucket before of like, oh, millennials are on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, you know, my parents are on Netflix. And so you can't really market people based off of their media consumption anymore because technology is changing. Mm-hmm. But you can argue it the other way. This whole demographic approach um, based to media buying isn't applicable anymore because anyone is consuming media. So technology mm-hmm. is changing and using behavior as a way to segment these audiences. Yeah. So we're seeing more people video streaming, mobile video, subscriptions to multiple services. And that's the way that you can actually start marketing to people instead of just marketing based off of demographics. Right. I think this one concept of is technology changing consumption habits or are consumption habits driving technology is kind of like the center of our entire conversation here. Yeah, the one thing I'll add to that is um, the average you know person is exposed to somewhere between two to five million ads a year. Mm-hmm. You know, we have so many different screens. We're on, we have so many things coming at us. I think the buyer journey's changed, but so has the level of creativity and targeting and and basically work marketers need to do to actually be a meaningful part of that buyer journey because time and attention are the hardest things to get from consumers these days and you really have to to work hard and care a lot to try to be a part of that. Yeah, I think um, it is really interesting, and I this may be going totally off topic because it is related to behaviors um, kind of across different types of media and different types of devices. But what we talk about as marketers all the time is getting the right information to the right person at the right time. And with all of the growing concerns over privacy, that's going to be incredibly challenging moving forward. So with Apple putting protections in place, with Google putting protections in place, with GDPA, with the new California legislation, um, protecting everyone's information, how do we as marketers still do what we should do to make sure we're getting the right information um, to the right people at the right time? You know, that's very interesting. Um, so there's a, a friend of Nebo, uh, Emily Bender. She uh, has a Beat a Moment marketing flash briefing and podcast. And I was listening to her flash briefing the other day, and she made the reference that voice is clunky right now. That what people are doing in voice is very similar to what people did on the internet, going back to the customer experience and user experience that Halo's referencing, how it's better, is Anytime there's emerging mediums, we try to take what worked on other mediums and shoehorn it in. Mm-hmm. So like, people are trying to take things that don't fit on voice and force it into voice, very much like the early days of uh, digital. We tried to take traditional and shove it into digital. It didn't work. And then mobile exploded, and we took 
uh, what would work on a, on a, a desktop. desktop and try to make it mobile. So these things are still emerging, yeah. and we have to really be there because the customers or the the, the consumers really in this and world, they're the empowered one. Mm -hmm. I can watch, I can stream, I can click, swipe, type, click. And there's a lot of, like I've said, I don't want to be repetitive, but there's a lot to sort of digest there as a marketer, how to truly engage. I think another interesting thing is like with the changing technology and consumption habits, there's backlash to certain things. So you see people purposefully having like no screens. I'm going to go home. I'm going to eat dinner. I'm going to make sure I have my screen off before bed. And you also see people like that really love the control that technology brings. But then you've also seen kind of an uptick of a lot of kind of more personalized services like concierge services, like even Walmart in its innovation arm has created a concierge service through an app. Um, so people can have someone go and buy birthday gifts for a three-year-old. Um, because they're too overwhelmed to look through the options themselves. It's really interesting. That's a really interesting point. A, a few years ago, I wrote a post about machine-to-machine -machine marketing, and that's going to come, and that's going to really influence the buyer journey because your refrigerator is going to make a decision. You're out of milk. I'm going to buy. Well, where do they buy from? How do they buy? How much do they buy? So there's a whole element of AI that's going to be part of the buyer journey as well. But then there's also, as you said, uh, things have shifted. You have different, um, you know, uh, like BarkBox and some of these other things that are making decisions for you based on what they think you might like or would like, and you're getting something shipped to you and you can keep some of it or all of it. So like, it's fun, it's exciting, <laughs> but it's different. And like, I'm so glad I'm not in the weeds of paid media because people much smarter than me, like Kelly and Haley and all those people need to be figuring this out. And I can just stand back like an old Burt Cooper and just tell stories from the past. <laughs> I think back again, it's all about testing and seeing what really resonates, going back to the data and being like, oh, we haven't tried this type of ad format or this type of messaging. What is really working? Audiences are consistently changing. Just making sure that you aren't sticking to one approach in this fast-paced industry. Yeah, and something else that's really interesting is how, as you know, technology and media consumption have evolved different channels or channels that were siloed into one uh, buyer journey phase, and I'm using air quotes as I say that, um, are no longer, they no longer need to be siloed like that. So for example, you know, TV was is such an influential medium because we can leverage that concept of storytelling. And that was something, you know, years past was hard to do through a digital ad buy. But now we can leverage video across social and um, across digital video. And we can still put that same story out there and without having to do a big linear TV buy. Exactly. We can tell if someone's watched this first video and we can serve them a second video because we know that they've engaged with this video a certain number of times. And you get to really see people move through the, not the funnel, I don't want to call it the funnel anymore, <laughs> but move through the buyer's journey and, and really see how it makes an impact on your ROI and your your uh, goal. Mm -hmm. And whether it's a funnel or whether it's a, a will, it's really... We can all think of the way we describe it, but I think the, the, the reality here is it, it's personal. Mm -hmm. It's personal is what it is because, and I know, like I, I keep making fun of how old I am, um, but I remember when I used to have to get up and turn the channel, uh, you know, and I know you guys don't know what a TV knob is, but uh, I, in that world, you had four major TV stations, mm -hmm. and 
you know, there pretty there was a little bit more of a homogenous approach to buying. You know, Coke introduces a new soft drink. It goes to the store, there's a store display, and we're experiencing it in a little bit more uh, shared manner. Now, we all have different experiences, and uh, like I said, Haley, I'm just, like I said, leave the paid media up to you and your team. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, what you said, it's a personal journey. I almost feel like at this point, like, marketing is no longer like marketing. It's almost like when people are starting to look into a different category or a different product, it's like a choose your own adventure book. Mm -hmm. Because oh, the, the first thing that you do kind of takes you on a sprocketed path into something else because we as marketers, if we're doing our job correctly, are paying attention to what people are interested in, the type of content they're engaging mm -hmm. and the type of information they're seeking. And we kind of shoot them along different paths um, and give them different options based on what they've told us so far. If, if they've gone to this landing page, send, send them this type of ad. If they do mm -hmm. this, we'll show them this and see how that works out. I would love that example. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Choose your own adventure book. Start uh, <laughs> branding that. <laughs> so as advertisers, how should we be adjusting our strategy to be able to um, take advantage of the new mediums like digital out of home, streaming radio, addressable TV, and all those things that are now emerging in order to align our marketing strategies with the new buyer journey? <laughs> this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about how demographics aren't the way you shouldn't be targeting people anymore. You should be actually targeting people based off of who they are. It's all personal. So what I suggest is really doing your research into who your target audience is, what are their passions, where are they, what are they consuming, um, and go from there in terms of your strategy and your media buying. Move away from that old demographic approach, move away from that old buyer journey approach, and into this data-driven approach. I think Marissa brought a new whole paradigm to Neba or to marketing. <laughs> it's Bandersnatch, you know. Uh, it's Bandersnatch for marketing, you know. And uh, am I the only um, Black Mirror nerd in here that knows what that is? Uh, but anyway, um, I do think I agree with you completely, Haley. Uh, and I think that there is a level here of really, really, um, um, and I said this on the last episode, um, you know, really thinking about using empathy and sympathy as our secret weapons. Uh, one of the things that I've always said, and I, and I didn't invent this, I sort of cobbled together from a few people that I learned from in my career, but when we started Nebo, we, we didn't start Nebo because we thought we were the smartest people, or we thought we had you know, some you know, amazing intellectual property. Uh, we thought our philosophy would get us where we wanted to go. And one of the very, very simple things that I said is that if you make people's lives better, you're going to be successful, period. If the people in your orbit are better for being in your orbit, you're going to be very successful. And I think as marketers, we can also apply that. As a brand, if you can make your customer's life better, mm -hmm. period, if you help them make the decision that's best for them, period, marketing is going to be effective. But if you look at them like fish in a fishbowl, mm -hmm. you're probably going to ultimately fail. And that concludes the first part of our conversation on the buyer journey. In our next episode, we are going to be continuing the, the conversation around this because there is so much good content to get to here. So make sure you tune into that. Um, but as always, if you have any questions or comments, make sure to email us at paidmediacoffee at neboagency.com. And please rate, like, or subscribe to the podcast. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm.